All right, Sister Crazy Eyes was uh, up in front of uh, up in front of Mark Zuckerberg. Now, Mark Zuckerberg is not a sympathetic figure, okay? <laughs> no. to say the least. Not a sympathetic figure, and uh, only AOC and the Congress could make this guy less of a villain. Listen to how crazy. Sister Crazy Eyes was AOC yesterday. I'll move on. Can you explain why you've named The Daily Caller, a publication uh, well-documented with ties to white supremacists as an official fact-checker for Facebook? Congresswoman, sure. We actually don't appoint the independent fact-checkers. They go through an independent organization called the Independent Fact-Checking Network that has a rigorous standard for who they allow to to serve as a fact-checker. So... So, you oh. would say that white supremacist-tied yeah. uh, publications meet a rigorous standard for fact-checking? I mean, that's all steam power there. Oh, my gosh. She's trying so hard. Thank you. Uh, she- Congresswoman, <laughs> I would say that we're not the one assessing that, that standard. The international okay, first of all, that's not true about— is the one who is setting Stop. That it's not true about the Daily Color. But no. that you, it was painful for her. It was steam engine. You could oh, be, yeah. you could hear her. Somebody in her head was like, throw another log on the fire. Throw another log on the fire. Right. You, <laughs> question one for those listening to the radio is blatantly red. You could actually see at one point her finger moving across the, <laughs> right, the paper and right. like reading it like a seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, so she gets through that one with only minor mistakes. When he gives – now, think about this. She's a congresswoman who's supposed to be knowledgeable about this topic. She's on the you know, she's on the committee. She's questioning. And she doesn't know that Facebook doesn't name these people. Like, that is a, a very basic part of this that she should absolutely know before asking a question. So, of course, he lays that out for her. Um, and then she's caught in this, like, line to still try to blame him and say the Daily Caller is bad – and this is the point where, like, her brain is like, if you think picture of like a, a picture of a heart beating, that's like what's going on with her brain inside. It's like it's like actually like physically moving yeah, to try that- to squeeze out a sentence that makes sense in right. English, and it barely works. She kind of gets <laughs> something out there, and, and it is just embarrassing. Oh, oh that's why she pauses afterwards and goes. Thank you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so uh, that brain's like, I got nothing else. I got uh, nothing else. I squeezed it all out. It's amazing. How does this happen? Okay, now let me go to the other amazing, amazing question from Congresswoman, is it Beatty? <laughs> Listen to this. Like you think this is a joke. Mm-hmm. When you He's have ruined laughing. the lives of many people, discriminated against them. Do you know what percentage of African Americans are on Facebook? In comparison to majority folks, do you know what the percentages are? People using the Facebook. Yes. Do you know what the percentages are for African Americans? I don't because we don't collect the races of people. Well, it it came out in a report and in the Pew Research uh, Center that was sent to you. So maybe you just don't read a lot of things that deal with civil rights or African Americans. How can she think this is a good point? Oh, my. I have a lot of questions I'm going to send to you uh, that I'm not going to be able to get through. And I would like an answer because this is appalling. Right. May I just say, Joyce, to me, may I, I yield back? Yeah. May I say, Joyce, send them to me because I would love to read them and love to answer you back. Yeah. I uh, mean, this is the this is the congresswoman from Ohio. Mm. You're ruining people's lives. You're not- ruining. 
We, but, now, I know Facebook has ruined people's lives, yes, but that's because they get on it. Right. It's not because they're off of it. Right. Do you know how lucky the African-Americans are that they are not on Facebook? <laughs> and by the way, any of them can get on. Right. It's not like, what do, you, what do you want me to do? Go to people's houses and say, for you, Facebook is free. For everybody else, Facebook is free, but for you, it's free. What do you want? What do you want? And I love again, Zuckerberg is not a figure that you look at with like, oh wow, I'm sympathetic to him. But you watch him in these hearings, and he's looking at them. He's completely perplexed. Can you? He's actually trying to answer these questions. Can you imagine going to Congress? Going to Congress and having to go, you know, every, what is he up? Once a month? Once every two months? It seems like it. Getting on the plane going, I've got to go listen to these people again. I yeah. mean, these people, what a waste of time. I, now, here's why he's not sympathetic. Because at the same time, he's like, you know what? I want you guys to regulate me. Yeah, what? Yeah, that doesn't make any who sense. Would do, who would do that unless you know they would be writing the regulations with you? Of course. Well, I don't well, know. He, well, he's apparently know. the only one there that knows anything about his business. So this is, you know, we always say this like almost like it's 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 corruption, and it is a form of corruption where these companies come in and they wind up writing half of the legislation. Mm-hmm. But it's because listen to the people who would all, all write it otherwise. Right? They know nothing. I mean, think about what a what a terrible human trait it is to say to someone, "Hey, how many uh, black people are on your platform?" I don't know. We don't take the races well i have a poll here from pew research center which is the first time i've ever read or heard that name and uh and do you know what it says well uh, no i well it was sent to you maybe you didn't read it i guess you didn't read it because you don't care about civil rights like that's just blatantly insane no person can go through that that uh that thought process naturally and somehow zuckerberg goes this entire hearing without even using the word dummy because I don't know how I would. It would. Uh, see, this isn't uniting at all. See, this it's is not, not. It is not no, uniting. It's not uniting. It at is all. not uniting, and I don't know how to unite. I don't either. When 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 you're exactly right, dummy, <laughs> just shut up. You're not helping your own case. Mm. See, this is <sighs> why. This is why we need we need Dave on Dave. I say we we, have, need, we need to figure out a way mm. to come together because I'm not feeling it today. No. Dave Isay is, is uh, with us now. Dave, um, Dave is the founder and president of StoryCorps. Uh, and uh, we're having a hard time finding uh, love in our hearts today, Dave. We really are. So we're counting on you to bring us back to unity and peace and, and loving everyone. <laughs> Hi, Glenn. Hi. <laughs> I'll try. Okay. I'll try. Yeah, it's a tough job a today. <laughs> yeah, it's a I tough know. job. All right. The, um, I, the the story that I chose, uh, it's always great to be on. And, Thank and thanks. And, and, I, and hopefully just the idea of what we're doing with StoryCorps will give people a little bit of hope. And that's what StoryCorps is all about. You know, we go all over the country and we give families the chance to talk to each other. It's two people. It's you and your kid, you and your grandmother. And you sit for 40 minutes um, and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Most people think of it as if I had 40 minutes left to live. What would I say to this person who means so much to me? People ask the big life questions. And you keep a copy, and another copy goes to the Library of Congress. So your great, 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 great grandkids can get to know your grandmother. I just love this. I wish I could have done this with my grandfather, my grandmother. I just think this is the greatest thing. Well, one of the things you can do is, is um, while you can, is, is, is remember them. 
um, because even that, even just your memories of the stories of your grandparents is just so valuable for your, you know, future generations. Um, and, and it also, you know, sitting with someone and listening to them just reminds them that they're, that they matter and they won't be forgotten. Yeah. And essentially what we're doing is kind of collecting the wisdom of humanity. I, I didn't bring with me a heartbreaking story today. A lot of them are, are sad. This is more, um, uh, this is this is this is a story about technical innovation, circa 1940. Okay, technical <laughs> innovation, circa 1940, and this is uh, Betty yes. Jenkins. Yes, she's okay. 94 years old, right. and she came to StoryCorps with her niece in Ohio. And during the interview, she remembered um, a newfangled device she had gotten from her mom—an inflatable bra. Here's the story. I was very skinny, and I didn't have any curves. I guess my mother got kind of worried because she didn't think I had enough boyfriends. So she bought me a bra that you blow up. I was real excited. So I blew and blew to about 32. I was quite happy with the looks. I got a few wolf whistles. Of course, at that age, you were very self-conscious that year. I took a trip to South America. I proceeded to fly to Santiago. Soon we were into the Andes Mountains, and it turned out that it was a non-pressurized plane, and (laughs) I felt very uncomfortable. Things were getting very tight. This bra had started to increase in size. As the thing got bigger, I tried to stand up, and I couldn't see my feet. The direction said it would go to 48 if I wanted to. I thought, what will happen if it goes beyond 48? (laughs) And I found out what happened. It blew out. It was a loud, resounding sound. And the co-pilot came into the cabin with the gun, wondering what had happened. The man all pointed to me. Well, it's difficult to explain to people in English that part of your anatomy just blew up. (laughs) To try and do it in Spanish, it's beyond hope. So they made a landing. I was taken off the plane and turned over to two women police, and they told me to strip hunting for what they thought was the bomb. When I stripped down, I showed them the hole in the bra, and they chuckled, and I thought, oh, my, they've gotten the point, and I was allowed back on the plane. A month later... I got a bill from the airline for $400 for an unscheduled stop. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, Dave, did did her, do you say she came in with her granddaughter? Did, did, Uh, (laughs) was this story, was that a first telling for this, this uh, granddaughter? I don't know. I, it, it may well have been, but it's certainly a telling for the ages. That is so great. That is so great. And the bra, yeah, I assume, uh, was not part of the family treasure that she passed on. We'll, we'll never know. We'll never we'll know. Never know. <laughs> so, Dave, where are you where our listeners can can go? 
Well, we're all over the country, and people can can go to uh, StoryCorps.org to find out more. One thing I wanted to just bring up today, if we have a minute, is that every Thanksgiving, um, we have something called the Great Thanksgiving Listen, where we ask people, we have an app now that makes it possible to record a StoryCorps story anytime, any place with a loved one, honor them by listening to them, and with one tap, upload it to the Library of Congress. And teachers across the country over Thanksgiving uh, assign their students, mostly high school students, to interview an elder and honor them. And we hope that you will um, call your schools uh, where your kids are and ask them to participate, or even not, just talk to your kids, talk to your grandkids, ask them to download the app and participate with us over Thanksgiving. Oh, I think you that's can great. find out about it at, at storycorps.org or the Great Thanksgiving Lesson. So do you do, this, one, you do this every, one, wait, do you do every this every Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving? Indeed. And I'll tell one story about the first Thanksgiving. Um, you know, in, in many ways, StoryCorps is really kind of collecting the wisdom of humanity because of the nature of what's talked about um, in the in the in the booth and on the app. And on the first Thanksgiving, um, we had just launched the app. This was um, three or four years ago. And uh, we we went around and we told people about the great Thanksgiving lesson and we hope people would participate and got a lot of media and we found on the Thursday of Thanksgiving that um, basically nobody was participating. It was the same as we always saw, a steady state of the recordings on the app. And on Friday, no one had uploaded. None of the students had, had participated. Saturday, I had to go on and do interviews saying, you know, we, we were not giving up. It didn't work this year. But, um, but this is too important. This act of listening, we're going to keep trying. And then on Sunday... We had completely given up, and someone in my office said, you better look at what's happening on the app. And there were thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of interviews being uploaded. Now, I'm an old dad, so it hadn't occurred to me that wisdom that kids wait until Sunday night to do their homework, but I will never <laughs> forget that again. So on Sunday night, we get we got we got as many interviews that Sunday night as we had in the first 10 years of StoryCorps combined. Wow. So we hope that people will, will um, be a part of this. And again, you know, you started, it is... Things really stink right now. They really stink. Um, but uh, look to your families. Remember the basic goodness of who we are as people. Think the best of people. Remember that none of us are the worst things we've ever done. And, you know, go to a loved one and say, who are you? What have you learned in life? How do you want to be remembered? And uh, it'll just shake you on the shoulder and clear the nonsense and remind you how lucky we are to be alive. Dave, thank you. It's StoryCorps.org, StoryCorps.org. We, you know, we're right around uh, Thanksgiving. Would you come back on the week before Thanksgiving and maybe bring some, you know, bring something that you found from past Thanksgivings? I'd be honored. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. We'll talk to you, back, you got okay, it. Thank sir. you very much, Dave. I say from StoryCorps.org. H- hang on. Uh, who do we ha- who do we have on the phone? Hello. Hello. Am I on the radio airwaves? Yes. Yes, you are. My name is Wilfred. I'm calling from Sun City, Florida. Well, how are things, Wilfred? Very good. I heard the story from the young lady who was on moments ago. She was 94. Do do you have her telephone number? No, I don't think she's... uh, She sounds very hot. uh, I was listening to that story. I nearly mm. spit out my Ovaltine. Really? Really? Yeah. Yes. I, uh, re- she got me going. Yeah. You know, she revved my <laughs> engines a little bit. Right. She raised my body temperature right, okay. so right. much that I had to lower the heat in my room to 86. <laughs> really? Yes. It's, 
Wow, you're that hot. Yes. And I, I, by the way, I, I should point out that I also have a pump attached to my body to inflate. I don't think and, I... And you do not want to go over the maximum capacity. <laughs> right, okay. You think it would be a good idea, and, and things start, wow, whoa. You, this has happened to you? Oh, my goodness. By accident? Yes, or? Mildred down the hall knows the whole thing. Right. <laughs> Poor Mildred. All right. Okay. She... <laughs> what happened to Mildred? <laughs> I don't think you want me to get into what happened to Mildred. <laughs> I will say, police visited and believed there was an assault of some sort. But it wasn't. She, but no. No. She, just... she was into it, and I'll say, she was back next Tuesday. <laughs> she was back with a wow. with a with some mucilix, and right. we went back to town. Right. Okay. okay. Thank you very much, Wilford, Thank for giving uh, her calling. I. Don't know if uh, StoryCorps wants that particular story, but... Um, Why wouldn't they feature that one? They never feature I, stories I, you know, like that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, much, uh, so much going on. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow we have the dad uh, that is trying to stop his ex-wife from basically neutering his seven-year-old son. Mm. And providing a sex change. And the courts here in Texas said, hey, Dad, you have to pay for it. He says this is nuts. The governor is now involved. Uh, there is, uh, there's court proceedings that are happening today. He will be with us on tomorrow's broadcast. You don't want to miss it. Crazy last night, huh, Glenn? crazy last night yeah you i mean two to two going into the seventh inning and then mm. you know would they just bust mm. out for six runs with justin verlander in i mean you, you i want to talk was, about a surprising i was doing yard work with my wife uh last night so i missed all of that you darn it the world series game for you yard didn't work with even your... know that it was on <laughs> <laughs> wish i would have had that excuse mm-hmm. yeah this is why I, i'm asking you this because and by the way Astros down 2-0, lost both games mm. at home. A, a, a surprise. Yeah, well, the... The Wash- The Washington, Washington Nationals, Nationals are, are, uh, are... It seems like it might be their year. It, it might, does, it doesn't does it? It does seem like it's their year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, our next guest is someone you love. One of our fa- your favorite guests. David Petruzzo. And he's one of your favorite historians. He tells history in ways... That you don't ever bring history, so it's got to be something about the World Series. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Uh, David is on with us, and, and David, uh, he's got a new book, by the way, called, uh, let's see, where it's the, what's that? Oh, yeah, oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I thought, I, I know he's been writing about this quite a bit. It's the 100th anniversary, I guess, is the big reason. 1919 uh, was the Black Sox scandal. Okay. And um, you, of course, know all about that. Absolutely. Uh, right. <laughs> of course. I know they cheated. They cheated, right? There was a big mm. gambling scandal, and, yeah. and David's been and telling this history. And I, I find it fascinating because, uh, and, and David, I don't know if you're going to be able to get Glenn into this. It's, it's history, which he loves, and he loves you, but then it's also sports, which he has no interest in. So you have to come up with a way to make this interesting to Glenn. I, I think I know how to do that. Okay, All right, go ahead. This is and a challenge. The, the established narrative, which has been going on for 100 years, is that the Reds or the White Sox, the Black Sox, did this 
because they were exploited by management. You know, they were underpaid. They were cheated on bonuses. They weren't even washing their uniforms, blah, 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 blah. And this was established largely. It was been percolating for a long time. But the established narrative is a book called Eight Men Out. It became a movie called Eight Men Out. And then it got transported into a more popular movie called Field of Dreams. Right. I saw and, that one. <laughs> right. And the guy. You the don't guy, have me yet. But. I remember. Ooh, 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 Joe Jackson. Okay. And it's the usual sob story from the left. And it's all a lie. It's all false. The guy who wrote that book, Elliot Asinoff, was very left-wing. He was blacklisted in the 50s. So he was coming at this story from a left-wing, stick it to the man. These guys did it to get, you know, retributive justice. Uh, They were direct action. And so it was all somewhat justified. And what we have found out in the last 20 years, because Major League Baseball did a data dump, and put all the salary data down and all all this stuff, which was just sort of hidden or forgotten forever. And that not only weren't the White Sox, that team underpaid. The season started, they were the third highest paid team in the league. And when it ended, they were the highest paid team in the league. And many of these guys, including even crooked guys, were among the highest paid players in the American League. So all fake. Okay, so you have me, but you lost me on one detail. Sure. <laughs> were the White Sox, were the White Sox and the Black Sox the same team? Oh, team? Do they only call them well, the Black Sox? They were actually the White Sox, but they were only called the White the Black Sox after that scandal for that year. Yes. Wow, that is and the, and That's a fascinating the, fact. I didn't know. <laughs> that's, wow, you that's really? Great. Well, yeah. I, well, I, I was actually asked by a, a, another conservative yesterday morning. Do the White Sox still exist? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you're you're not too far behind. Right. Okay. I will say, okay. looking at the season, they barely exist. But yes, they so do you, still exist. You, David, you ha- you had me when it's all wrong. Um, so much of our history is just complete nonsense and written by people with an agenda and i i i love sports pardon me it filters into sports every aspect of our society so david how bad was this scandal in the press at the time how i mean can you compare it to anything today well, it was very big. I, the most recent thing to compare it to was the steroid scandal. But at that time, baseball was invariably called a clean sport to differentiate itself from boxing and horse racing, you know, where fixes were obviously going on. And F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote about uh, Arnold Rothstein, the gambler behind it, as a man who destroyed the faith of 50 million people. This was, you know, the saying you've probably heard, or maybe not, <laughs> say it ain't so, Joe. Yeah, I know okay? that. Yeah. Oh, that and comes that from comes this. From that, that comes from that, where a little boy, supposedly outside the grand jury, Shoeless Joe Jackson, he was in Field of Dreams, comes out, he's confessed, and the little boy says, say it ain't so, Joe, like in some, you know, movie. 
And and I think the bulk of the American people felt like that, that this was not supposed to happen. Baseball was clean and, you know, baseball mom and apple pie. So and it was happening also at a time after World War II. It happened during the Wilson administration. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. uh, 1919 is a good year for you and me. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, So what what's America coming to? So the how long did it take to recover? Pretty soon. Well, for one thing, when your team is in first place, you forget all the sins of your sport. Okay, so the pennant race kicks in. But what really happens is a judge called Kennesaw Mountain Landis had been a progressive. He had fined Standard Oil like $26 million in 1907. He prosecuted the anti-war people or was the judge in the trials of people who were against the war. He comes out after, you know, the the White Sox, Black Sox guys, the uh, crooked players are acquitted by a jury in Chicago. And Mm. but Landis, who was a federal judge in Chicago, issues a statement that says no player who endeavors to fix a game, throw a game, sits with with players and discusses this or with gamblers or who does not inform his club about what's going on will never play baseball again. And that really shuts the scandals down. And the most important part of that is that you have to inform on your other players if you hear something is going on because it's always known that, you know, you're not supposed to throw these games. It is not known that you're supposed to, you know, inform on your other players. And this has a sort of parallel with the controversy that, you know, Elliot Asinoff may have been involved in. Not only was he blacklisted, but he fronted for blacklisted writers. Okay. This is a time when the communists refused to talk on other about other communists. So it's always a moral issue whether you're, to, to use a, a term now in the common parlance, a whistleblower. You know, what's right, what's wrong about that? And in baseball, it was, you're going to, you're not going to be a part. If you hear about this, you're going to tell the authorities. There are a couple of minor scandals. They're minor because they're caught early on in the 1920s. And that's why the scandals stop in baseball. And also, is that, there's another thing going on called Babe Ruth. Is there is there um, is this why Pete Rose had such a harsh penalty? Yeah, gambling was always you know they Landis threw an, an owner out in the 1940s for betting on his own team. Not against his own team. It wasn't crooked or anything like that, but he was very harsh on gambling. You always used to see signs in the old ballparks, you know, no gambling in in there. They were very much afraid of being tainted again. And I think, you know, the Rose thing is akin to the Shoeless Joe Jackson uh, situation where both of them, there are arguments they should both be in the Hall of Fame because of their playing records, but they're kept out because they're just poison in terms of, of the gambling situation. So did did Shoeless Joe Jackson, did he, you know, the kids say it ain't so, Joe, he wasn't, uh, he didn't spend any time, he he was found not guilty. Did, did, 
did everybody just know? Was it an O.J. Simpson thing? Everybody just knew? Yeah, right. He just got away with it. Jackson's case is a little problematical because he never sits in the two meetings to discuss things. But he does take $5,000. And he goes out to the press after he gets out of the grand jury and says, you know, I was cheated. I wasn't get. I didn't get the other fifteen thousand I was promised. He has a tremendous <laughs> hitting record during the se- series. He plays great. Uh, but he plays great. He hits three seventy five, twelve hits, the only home run of the series. So people point to that. But he took the money, and it appears it, it looks like the best, most coherent scenario of this is that he lent his name to the fix that really his prestige as the best player on that team, the best position player, helped seal the deal with the Gamblers. Did he go on to play in 1920? Well, they all play in 1920 because the scandal is not uncovered until very late in the season when they're all suspended with the pennant race still going on. Mm. And Comiskey, the owner, the so-called cheapskate owner, uh, bounces all the players who are still on the team. Uh, Interestingly enough, the Yankees then offer to lend Babe Ruth to the White Sox so they can finish out their season competitively. Holy cow! <laughs> wow! Holy cow! Have things that changed? Was, that was not that was not allowed. <laughs> wow! Wow! Uh, David, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. God bless you. Uh, one of my favorite historians, David Petruza, uh, who is fascinated with the progressive era just as much as i am and loves to find stories that uh just are upside down because some socialist communist progressive took the story and just carved the heart out of it and put something we'll, new someday we'll have a story about a, a young boy in texas who was brutalized by his father who wouldn't allow him to transform into a woman named starfire and that's how the history will be written about and that it incident. It, it is, is right now. It yeah. is. It's being written today. By the way, we have him on with us uh, tomorrow. Oh, man. Another glass ceiling has been broken for women. Yay. All the women can celebrate. Dozens of House members have been involved in Capitol Hill sex scandals. But to date, they've all been men. But that glass ceiling has been broken. Katie Hill is the first female lawmaker to face House ethics inquiry over sexual relationships. See, men and women are the same. (laughs) And they both in this situation are both interested in younger women, which is almost always the case with the men. And in this situation, also with the women, we should just ban younger women. Yes, if cancel we just them. Got, if we just got rid of all younger women, or we got rid of everyone else except younger women. Either one is definitely the right path forward. Yeah. You got to pick one of them. Yeah, just either execute everyone over 20 that's not female, <laughs> or execute all females under 20. That's all we have to do, and it's fixed. You don't like that idea? So anyway, um, she's the first woman uh, to to uh, you know uh, have an ethics investigation on sexual mis- misconduct. Uh, she said she was having a uh, consensual relationship with a young staffer. But don't we know, Stu? Don't we know now that the power dynamics 
The pirate power dynamic. Yes. This was abuse. Mm-hmm. This could have been rape, even. She says, uh, during the final tumultuous years of my abusive marriage, I became involved in a relationship with someone on my campaign. I know that even a consensual relationship with a subordinate is inappropriate, but right. I still allowed it to happen despite my better judgment. Okay, but hang on just a second. But the uh, younger staffer was doing like a three-way with the, uh, a, quote, oh. abusive husband who the the third wheel uh, says, no, it's the other way around. Uh, she was abusive to him. First of all, don't demean it. But the tawdry use of threesome. I uh, say thruple. Thruple. Mm-hmm. Thruple. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, yes, there's all. I mean, look, it's a divorce. And there is a big part of me that says this is their crazy personal life. And, you know, I don't, you know, when it comes to a campaign, there's an ethics investigation. It's obviously news. But it is, uh, at some level, their personal business. Um, it's interesting the double standard that happens here because you can dig into all sorts of divorce hearings when Barack Obama is running against Jack Ryan in Illinois to get a Senate seat that leads to the presidency. It's totally unfined on un- uh, uh, unearth those records and push them all over the media. But uh, with this one, people seem to be a little bit more hesitant to do so. Yeah, well, I mean, it's her personal life. She was just exploring you know, and mm-hmm. and doing something that the the victim says was dark and unnatural. You're listening to Glenn.